Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. I cannot believe it, but we are finally at Season 3, Episode 1. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a new year as I am right now for 2021, Season 3 of Cobra Kai. My goodness. Cobra Kai is saving the country. Saving the world. Saving the world, yeah. It goes beyond America. I mean, now with the web, really, Cobra Kai is global. They really are. And this has been a long time coming for not just us, but everybody, including the cast and crew and creators. They've been probably sitting on so many secrets because there's so many spoilers on the internet, as we know. But now it's all out there and everyone can just enjoy it for what it is. And by the way, Cobra Kai is currently number one on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. That's what we want to hear and see. And hopefully they will hold that spot for many days and weeks to come. Well, I I will tell you this, probably, I would say probably not since Game of Thrones, have I heard so many people, like let's say on Facebook, for example, so many different people posting about a show Yeah, as Cobra Kai right now. Yeah, this show hits so many notes, cross-generational. Fans of the original movie have become fans of the show. People who don't know about the movies, younger kids, fall in love with the show and hopefully fall in love with subsequent movies. So yeah, it is just a home run and it's probably going to lead the way for similar things in the future. Other movies that could be turned into franchises. By the way, on that note, I saw that Disney is going to release a... TV series based on the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely opening up a whole new genre. It's a genre in and of itself. I mean, what would you call it? There's no name for it yet. No, it's a game changer. Yeah, it really is. Because believe me, I I got some ideas. I got some ideas for uh, some relaunches. And I wouldn't do the Mighty Ducks, but I happened to see the trailer. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, there is a very good case to be made that it's similar as The Karate Kid. The first movie is not as good as The Karate Kid, of course. But the first movie is pretty damn good for what it is. And it had some subsequent sequels that weren't as good. Well, now you've brought the series back around. They brought Emilio Estevez back in. And they're kind of reimagining it as well, very similar to Cobra Kai. So I think this is going to launch other similar things that had maybe a hit movie or maybe it was a hit movie and it was a trilogy of some sort, but I'm looking for more and more of this. I mean, Hollywood has a copycat mentality, I should say. And so if someone's doing something right, you better believe it. Everyone will try to emulate that very quickly. Oh, sure. Sure. So now, Sal, we can digest the first episode of season three, and we will not go ahead. We're going to show great restraint and discipline, and we're going to do the first episode and not ruin all the spoilers and the fun things and the Easter eggs and the whole series. But uh, one at a time, beat by beat, scene by scene, and take the audience along the ride with us. Yeah. And just to remain transparent, Jason and I have seen all of season three. Whereas seasons one and two of both the show and our podcast, I had not seen the next episode. So like right now, here we are, episode one, I would not have seen episode two, but now I have seen episode two and three and so on. But we are going to stay focused on the episode at hand. That's true. And I believe there was some episodes in the past, Sal, that you hadn't even seen the episode, but you just kind of winged it and you did a pretty good job. <laughs> I just like started saying things about Miguel and this Sam person and they, they, they kind of just fit. So yeah, it worked. It just worked. That's editing. That's the post-production. We made it work. No, not true. Sal was on board and he went along the ride with us. So he saw everything we talked about. Okay. Here we are jumping in. Season three, episode one is entitled Aftermath. Very apt title, I would say. Of course, now the show is Netflix, and every episode was dropped on January 1st, 2021. And the rating for this episode, Sal, any guesses? The IMDb rating? Mm, 8.5. Pretty close. 8.3. Whoa. All right. I'm now going to take something out of the Let's Talk Movies playbook and give the synopsis. 
I hadn't done this in season one and season two. We just jumped in. So the synopsis for this episode is Miguel's fighting for his life, Robbie's missing, and Daniel and Johnny's reputation are in tatters as the community reacts to the West Valley brawl. Yeah. And you know what? We welcome new listeners. But if you have not listened to this podcast before, don't start here. If you haven't seen Cobra Kai before season three, don't start here. Go back, start at the beginning, and that way we'll all be on the same page here on season three. That's true. Good advice. Although I've met a few people that enjoy listening to our podcast prior to watching the episode. So, hey- what? To each their own, Sal. It's true. It is true. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I thought, really? We give everything away. Like, no, no, no. It kind of gets me in the mood and then I and then I watch it. It was like, all right, hey, who am I to tell people how to digest our show? Well, in all fairness, I will tell you that I listened to the Let's Talk Movies podcast the other night, listened to Die Hard, and I saw Die Hard when it came out. When was that? The late 80s, mid 80s? 88. Okay. That's the last time I saw Die Hard. And yet, I listened to the Let's Talk Movies podcast. So, there we go. And? Oh, I loved it. I really did. <laughs> okay. It, yeah. It, yeah. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let me add that. It made me want to see the movie for sure. Oh, there you go. So, hey, it is true that you can do that. All right. So, here we go, Sal. Are you ready? Jumping into the scenes. There is no fear. <laughs> In this dojo. In this dojo. All right, so we open with Miguel fighting in All Valley. Sal, I mean, this is crazy, but however, if you look in the background, the leaderboard is completely empty. So something's amiss. Yeah, it's almost like a Twilight Zone version of All Valley because if you look at all the people, the bystanders, the other fighters, they're just kind of standing there motionless. So I think soon you realize it's sort of a spooky All Valley. It is. And Miguel is fighting a student from... Yushikai Karate, who I've never seen before. But of course, as this thing starts to play out and we start to get a feeling that this is what, Sal? I think we soon realize that it is a dream sequence. And then it does sort of a fade into him falling off the balcony onto the railing at West Valley High. And then we're back in the hospital and he's there lying in his, what appears to be a coma. And he's got the neck support, one of those high-tech neck support apparatus yeah, so he's still in a coma. So this is all in his mind. He's dreaming of all valley that he hadn't fought in, of course, because this is a dream sequence. And he's having these little snippets of the accident, if you will. So now we cut to KVTL News Channel 3, and they're covering the violent karate clash. And what is the reporter's name, Sal? Uh, the reporter is Maria Michaels, and she's reporting on the what they called an all-out karate riot. Yes. And I like how we're bouncing around talking to local people. And one guy even says, I thought karate died out in the 80s. So funny. A little tip of the cap there to the karate kid, of course. I'm a big fan of interviewing people on the street. I, I actually love it. It is pretty good. And then we see Moon, of all people, leading a peace rally. Mm -hmm. I love her lyrics. We don't have to punch... Let's go get some lunch and be friends. Very sweet. Very sweet. <laughs> yeah, Moon has that. You know, she has that kind of hippie culture we've talked about in the past. The parents must be very open and, you know, huggy, but she definitely is not the karate type, which is weird because she had this thing for Hawk for a long time. Well, Hawk was a bad boy. A lot of women like the bad boy types. That's true. But, but as you can see, it did not last. No, it did not. So now we're at Frankie O's. And so I got to think this is some sort of Applebee's knockoff. Yeah, it is. And you know what? Applebee's has a bad rap. And for the record, I love Applebee's. <laughs> I actually like <laughs> Applebee's too. I've not been in a long time, but where I grew up, uh, they were everywhere and uh, they were quite delicious. Now, when I see the two bartenders, I can't help but think of tchotchkes, if you recall that from the classic Mike Judge movie, Office Space, and they are always wearing a bunch of flair. Do you remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes. You don't have enough flair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, these guys are, have got their flair on, but they're kind of fed up with this hammered Johnny, I would say. And Sal... He does not like Coors Light. No, no. He says that he ordered a Coors Banquet. And I like how they said that uh, he's been there four hours. It reminded me of that uh, John Panette bit. You've been here four hours. <laughs> so now we see what happened to Johnny. He abandoned his car, walked off into the night, grew the scruff, 
if you will, let himself go, and now he's visiting bad chains and drinking beers into the night. Okay, well, hang on a second, Jason. I have to say, as much as, just as a disclaimer, as much as Jason and I love Cobra Kai, hey, you know what? We're going to call it like we see it, right? I think it's a little anticlimactic. The end of last season, he throws the car keys, he leaves the beach, and we kept thinking, where is he going? Is he going to visit his uh, former Cobra Kai teammates? Is he going to go walk to alleys? Where is he In going? Colorado. Where did he go? He, <laughs> he went to Frankie O's Bar and Grill. Really? All that for that? Yeah. Well, he got sidetracked. He needed a Coors banquet, and he popped in the quickest establishment and got Coors Light. I know. I'm with you. Here he is, but um, maybe there's uh, some storylines that we haven't seen, what Johnny did in the meantime. But Well, one thing we learned is that apparently uh, Johnny hasn't showered in a while. No, that's true. Sal, I like the way this show kind of sets up nice little natural segues. So then he looks up and sees the news story and he learns Miguel is still in a coma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he sees his son and his student on television and he's just a drunken wreck at Frankie O's. And of course, this leads to these two locals coming over, switching to the Dodgers game. And Sal, what happens? These are two homies, two homies hanging out, trying to watch the Dodger game. And by the way, the Dodgers did take the World Series in 2020, worth mentioning, since we're here. That's true. So, he, this guy grabs the remote and changes the channel to the Dodgers game. And he says to, to Johnny, hey, nobody wants to see the weather report or see some coma kid. Hello. Mm, ouch. But then, but then the Dodgers score, and then these guys bail out and basically throw them the remote at Johnny. It falls at his feet. And then these guys head out. And you, you kind of think that's the end of it. Maybe Johnny's just going to continue hanging out at Frankie O's. But no, 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 no. So it's kind of interesting because you know something's up as we follow these two guys outside of the bar, into the car, tracking them the whole way. You know, you know that Johnny's coming, right? It's obvious the way this is playing out. And of course, he doesn't just show up. He pulls a crease. Oh, yes. Johnny smashes. He punches through the driver's side window, pulls out the driver, who was the bald guy who he interacted with in Frankie The bigger guy. Yeah, the tougher looking guy. He drags him out of his car. I mean, what would be the criminal penalty for smashing someone's driver's side window and then pulling them out of their vehicle? What would be the, the penalty for that, I wonder? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it can't be lenient. That's a, that's a pretty aggressive act. And pretty brutal when we see it's Johnny's POV looking upward, and this guy says, you're dead, amigo, and he stomps his face, basically. Well, that's after the other guy gets out and knocks Johnny down, because Johnny's hammered, by the way. He does his incredible move by knocking through the window and pulling him out, but that's really all he had. He couldn't even fight (laughs) these guys. He could barely stand up. And you're right. They smashed his face, but credit to them, they said call the cops because they probably could have done anything they wanted to to Johnny at this point in time. Which is, yeah, I I think actually uh, pretty, uh, what, gentlemanly of them, actually. Yeah. Nice guys. So, then we cut to the police station and Johnny's getting his photo taken. And of course, he's holding a sign. It says LAPD Lawrence John. 6646798. Six six four six seven nine eight, and Sal he looks to be about six two. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's the traditional mug shot. You got the uh, measurements behind you, telling you how tall you are. Oh yeah, definitely. He has gotten arrested, and he is a, a mess. He's been had his ass kicked. He's gotten arrested. He's taken his mug shot. Uh, where can he go from here? But up, hopefully. So now we see Daniel and a very feisty Amanda as they're attending the PTA meeting. And Sal, we quickly learn about Stingray's fate, played by Paul Walter Hauser. And what is that exactly? Oh, yeah. Well, this is a PTA meeting. I mean, I've never seen a PTA meeting like this. Then again, I don't think I've ever been to a PTA meeting. But I mean, people are in the bleachers. There is a large crowd there. And then we have a panel up. We have Principal Lopez. And then we meet Counselor Blatt. Yep. And they're all talking about the fallout of the big uh, karate fight. 
By the way, some of these things that the audience was yelling out, I really enjoyed. I hope to mention some of these. Yes. But Principal Lopez answered in relation to the question about Stingray. Uh, he's not allowed within 500 feet of any child. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, they quickly have dismissed Stingray from the show. Although in real life, Paul Walter Hauser has gone on to be a lead in movies. He was directed by Clint Eastwood and Richard Jewell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I looked him up on IMDb the other day, and he's got a lot of things coming out. So, he's probably got too much on his plate. So, he was not in season three. But Sal, I just hope that we get a Stingray sighting in subsequent seasons. You know what? God bless Stingray. We loved him. We hope he comes back. But, you know, once you are directed by Clint Eastwood as the lead yeah. in one of his movies, you're like, peace out, players. <laughs> but he may not come back or... They're doing some training somewhere and there's just a quick little tip of the cap to him and he comes by. He was always so great. What a scene stealer he was. Just a hilarious character. Yeah. Every scene he was in was fantastic. And by the way, one more shout out. Uh, I just went through the entire library of Key and Peel. Fantastic sketch comedy show. Never seen it. Recently went through it. Uh, and he's in there. He's one of the sketches. He plays an attendee of a stand-up comedy show. Oh, I got to see that one. I've not seen it. So, at the PTA meeting, we also learned that they're going to go with a new initiative called Hugs Not Hits. It's like D.A.R.E., but it actually works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Sal, I got to say, that was throwing the drug abuse resistance education under the bus. Oh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were, they were uh, no holds barred, letting you know how they feel about uh, probably throwing Nancy Reagan there while you're at it. Yeah. As the meeting gets a little aggressive, Daniel chimes in. And I love this, Sal. He's like, this isn't some karate footloose because they kind of just want to ban karate. Like karate did all this wrong. And Sal, the heckler was fantastic. Daniel gets up and he starts being sentimental after he mentions the footloose joke. Karate is not the problem. When I went to high school here, I was bullied and karate saved me. And somebody yells out, (laughs) (laughs) I love this so much. (laughs) Bullshit. I heard you were the real bully. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That was so fantastic. (laughs) Just to put that in this show, kudos to the writers, producers, directors. That was fantastic. Jason, I just want to mention for the new initiate or for those who don't know, that is a throwback to overall Karate Kid folklore. Many people believe that in the original Karate Kid movie, that it was actually Daniel who was the bully after all. People have hypothesized on this idea as Daniel as the bully of the first movie and not Johnny. I wouldn't say that's the majority opinion. No, no. But I do believe the Johnny Lawrence followers, much like the character (laughs) on How I Met Your Mother, believe that it was Daniel the bully. I think it's a funny little tidbit. I just love that they put it in this show. So funny to have it heckled out, brilliant, and Daniel's just kind of stunned, like, like he's this is news to him. He's not a bully. So, hilarious. Amanda then calls Tori a dime store Freddy Krueger. Ooh, yeah. Which was great, which then led to another great heckle. Mm-hmm. She was tramping around with that other guy's boyfriend. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much because it's reminiscent of Rob Schneider's recurring role of, you can do it. (laughs) So true. So great. So then Daniel and Amanda realize that they're not in good company here and they sit down and keep their mouth shut. They sink into their seats. Yeah, they literally sink into their seats. Yeah. So now we see Johnny in jail Mm. and- this guy's kind of showing him his infected foot, which is kind of grotesque. So I don't know what you thought about that. but And then the cop knows him as the Applebee's guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the cop says, what is it with you in shitty chain restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. You know happy hour is supposed to be happy. <laughs> no, not in Johnny's world. Then the cop shares the fact that Miguel's been in coma for two weeks mm-hmm. and that's never a good sign. Because at first he says he killed that kid and Johnny's thinking, wait, he's dead? So, he's just a mess. I got to add something to this scene because, you know what? I'm, I'm saying this for me, but I believe that there is an internet trope about it. By the way, I've been using the word trope lately. And that is the empty coffee cups. Oh, <laughs> I'm with you. I've always hated it. God bless them. Those coffee cups are empty. 
They're so <laughs> empty. If you don't want to have coffee in there, that's fine. But just put water in there. Something to give it a little bit of weight because these styrofoam cups, it's a mockery. At what point the cop almost had it like at a almost had a 90 degree angle in his hand. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it, it makes me laugh so much. So now we cut to Sam's computer and we see Valley News, local karate champ, fights for his life. And Sam notices something in the mirror, Sal. Oh, yeah. She is looking at the scar on her inner arm. It would be located, as a former personal trainer, I'll tell you, between her bicep and tricep. You know what? I got to say, after all that, I mean, as big as that fight was, this is all she got. That's not that bad. I mean, she had, oh, no, she had a broken rib. Also, Tori broke a rib, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, broken rib and scratch. Um, Okay. So, Tori messed her up pretty bad. So, this is where we start to see that she has some, what would you consider a uh, PTSD. PTSD. Yep. She has some residual PTSD. Uh, she's looking at the scar, but then she puts a sweater on to cover the scar and heads off to school. And I should have mentioned, when we see her computer screen, she's not even paying attention. I'm sure she's read the article mm-hmm. and then she's fussing about and going to the mirror. But Sal, on the computer, I'm not sure if you looked closely. Maybe you did. But there was other articles. Oh, no. I want to run these other titles by you because you have a background as an editor of a newspaper. So that is correct. Would you believe? Would you believe that I'm actually semi-literate? <laughs> I do know that. So one of the other articles is police arrest suspect in Encino burglary. I like the Valley reference. Hmm. Not bad, right? It's no tie-in to Robbie or anything. I'm just saying that it's interesting. The next one, Valley students show gains on standardized test. Nice. Well, the name of the paper at the top was Valley News. It was. And by the way, I don't think that there is a current Valley paper. Well, the Daily News, I think, is still around. See, the LA Times is not specifically Valley. So, I think the Valley only has the Daily News remaining. So, we don't have many publications focusing uh, merely on the San Fernando Valley. So, it's nice to see. Well, and the Tolucan Times, we've lost them, unfortunately. Yes, we have. Rest in peace. I want to make one point on that last one I just mentioned. The word test, T-E-S-T-S, right? Test, is spelled T-E-S-T-S-T. Hmm. What? Interesting. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Uh, it is. And the last one I'll mention is new restaurant development planned for Van Nuys. Nice. I thought you would like these references to the Valley, having been born and raised there. Oh, yeah. No, no. It, it warms my heart. Any homage to the Valley, I'm all about it. So, now we're at West Valley High School, which might as well be West Valley Correctional Center, Sal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is the way, I think this is the norm for high schools now, actually. It could be, Sal, but this is probably extra security based on what had just occurred. So, now we see Bert, Mitch, and Hawk hit on freshman ladies, but they get dissed. So, Hawk tries to flirt with the girl. He's like, don't you know who I am? She goes, yeah, you're the guy who wets the bed and got kicked into that trophy case. Oh. (laughs) And of course, as they walk by, they say hello to Dimitri who is with Chris and Nathaniel. That's a pretty funny exchange. All of a sudden, Dimitri's the cool guy. And this leads to a little bit of a showdown right in front of the trophy case. Yes. And you have three on three. You have Dimitri facing off with Hawk, Chris facing off with Mitch, and Nathaniel facing off with Bert. Shout out to Bert, guest on the Let's Talk Cobra Kai podcast. Yes. We interviewed Owen Morgan a few episodes ago. We highly recommend it. Great times. Way to go, Owen. Coming back for season three. And this kind of leads to a scene that's very reminiscent from The Karate Kid as the counselor comes over and makes sure they're all doing okay. This is a lady who institutes the hugs, not hits policy. But it reminds me of Karate Kid 1 when Johnny and Cobra Kai's come out to pick on Daniel in the courtyard area. And then the teacher comes up and then they all act like they're good buddies and they're just catching Mm -hmm. up. And then Daniel and him walk off as the Cobra Kai's scatter. Sure. That really reminded me of that scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's all out of the Karate Kid universe playbook. We're going to see so many things. And and by the way, when I watched this season and this episode, no different, there are things that the creators give us that to me are gifts. They are gifts to us. Yes. That's how I feel. That's, That's how much I love the show. Some things are gifts. And things that are reminiscent of Karate Kid 
either one, two, or three, things that make us think of Karate Kid one, two, or three, I go, ah, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. So as our three Cobra Kai members are leaving, Nathaniel turns to Moon and Yasmin walking into the area. Nathaniel says to Yasmin, what's up front, Wedgie? And of course, the other guys bust up. And Yasmin says, what's going on here? I go to Paris one summer and the losers are running the school. So while Yasmin was gone, everybody flipped the script. Yeah, the last time we saw Yasmin was season one, episode 10, season finale. She was not in season two. And she makes a resurgence. And I'm glad they brought her back. She was sure. like the evil witch of the West in the first season. Now she's been humbled. She had the front wedgie. And yes, she's back mm-hmm. from Paris. And not just that, Sal, we also learn about Aisha in the same scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We find out that Aisha now goes to a private school. And not only that, Moon says, her parents sold their house and moved. So I guess we're not going to see Aisha this season. And that is unfortunate. That's true. But this show has a way of bringing people back, i.e. Yasmin and also Kyler and others. So we'll get into that. And this might not be the end of Aisha by any means. Now we see Sam and it's obvious, Sal, that PTSD is kicking in. She's really struggling with just entering the school because I guess Everyone had it bad who was in the fight, but at the same time, Sam lost both guys that she cares for. Robbie's on the run. He hurt and nearly killed Miguel. Miguel's in a coma. Sam's just distraught, not to mention her own fight with Tori, which she did win, but she has emotional and physical scars from. Yeah, because if you look where she's at right now at this moment, she is at the scene of the crime. She yeah. is on that staircase. So she is being hit hard with her PTSD. Dimitri approaches to say hi, and she just like, uh, I have to go, and she runs off. Yeah, exactly. And so now we're at LaRusso Auto, and Daniel searches for Robbie on the phone, and here we go. Case in point, guess who's back? You know what? As annoying as Cousin Louis was, as, as much as, <laughs> as, much as he, he pissed me off, I was very happy to see Cousin Louis back. I really was. I love that he's back too. I mean, he really took it too far and made some bad decisions in season one, but uh, I'm glad he's back. He seems to have learned his lesson and he's fitting right back in at LaRusso Auto. And can I just mention this since you mentioned LaRusso Auto specifically, Jason? If, If you notice, to the astute viewer, you will notice Toyotas in the showroom. He is standing right in front of a Prius. When have we ever seen Toyotas in the LaRusso showroom? In season three. (laughs) Here we are. So, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Definitely. Good point. Nice spot. So, Louis discovers something on the computer because if there's one thing he knows, Sal, it's inventory. Yeah. And what does he share with Daniel and Amanda? Well, didn't he mention that he worked at Fat Cells for a while, which is a sandwich shop in Encino? (laughs) Yes, it is. By the way, pretty delicious sandwiches. Uh, Not cheap, but pretty delicious. Well, so what he shows them, Louis shows Daniel and Amanda that he has found that there is a car missing from the trade-in lot. One of their vans has turned up missing. A 93 Dodge Caravan, no less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because Robbie took something very inconspicuous that would be under the radar. And then I love how Louis says, if it was me, I would have taken a Ferrari. And then, of yeah. course, Amanda says, what, Sal? I love her response here. She goes, would you? <laughs> and she gives him that look like, you're lucky to be <laughs> back here. <laughs> you know, Amanda's great. She'll call a spade a spade. She has no problem calling out Louie. Very yeah. funny. I laughed out loud in that moment, and I'm sure most people did as well. Now we cut to West Valley General, and Johnny gets dropped off by... A pretty tough bail bondsman drops off Johnny in his Hummer. And and I don't know, is that protocol? I have no idea. I've never had a bondsman in my life. Is that something that they do? Do they? I know that they get you out of jail, but do they literally like drive you like your Uber driver? They drive you somewhere after that? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's pretty funny. I love the name of this bail bondsman as well. A++++ bail bonds. And he basically threatens Johnny like, you better show up in court or I'm going to hunt you down like a dog, bro. Isn't that what he says? <laughs> yeah. And, so and John, Johnny's like, okay, bro. So now Miguel continues to dream of All Valley and the school fight, 
And now we see Carmen and Rosa as they visit. And there's a nice little Dodgers reference. Oh, yeah. Shout out to the Dodgers, 2020 World Series champions. And I love how Rosa says the Dodgers will just mess it up again because they had a history, recent history, of getting to the World Series and losing. But this was pre-2020, and now the Dodgers are world champs. Nice. Well, I'm sure uh, Carmen's mother is ecstatic. So now Johnny tries to see Miguel, but he's not family, Sal. And he goes in and hits on this nurse, and this is pretty damn funny. He's like, can't you break the rule? Come on, be a bad girl. And she's looking at him like, huh? You're not family, bud. It's not working, Sal. I love that. I, I think it's hilarious when people try to use flirting to like blatantly get something done. I got to hand it to him. He tried. He tried. Epic fail, but he tried. So then, Sal, what does Johnny spot off on the side? Well, I don't think he would see this too often in a hospital, but some sort of abandoned <laughs> uh, abandoned doctor coat, like the white coat, just kind of laying there over a chair. Uh, yeah, the, there you go. The doctor's jacket, the white jacket, laying over a chair. Johnny spots it. Well, we know what he's going to do. Now, Daniel finds the minivan GPS because he mentioned to Louie, look up the VIN number, text me the GPS. So, he finally hunts down this van, but Sal, no Robbie. No, no. And you know what? I, I got to say, this show shot in Atlanta, they made this little sequence to look like Los Angeles. This is in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Did you see how much trash they added? <laughs> So much trash they added to. Like, there are like, <laughs> parts of Los Angeles that are, come on now, they look like this. This is supposed to be Los Angeles. Bring in more trash. Can we get the prop department to bring in more garbage, please? Yes, they made this area look a little bit uh, unkept, I would say. So then he calls Amanda because she's back at LaRusso Auto and to report to her that there's no Robbie, but Sal, Daniel has an idea. Yeah, she asked him, "Is do you think there's anywhere he could possibly be?" So Daniel says, uh, "I can think of one place." So yeah, he has the light bulb moment, thinking of one place where Robbie might be. So now Johnny has the jacket that he found at the hospital just laying there. And Sal, this is hilarious to me because Johnny's having a real hard time with this doctor's name. Yeah, this last name I believe to be a Vietnamese surname. N-G-U-Y-E-N. I believe it's pronounced Gwyn. I may be wrong. And Johnny's trying to pronounce it. I don't think he's having a, much success. No. He pronounces it as Nagoon, which, uh, okay. Beyond the bad pronunciation of the name, Sal, this guy comes out of the toilet and it's hilarious. Yeah, because he starts to ask Johnny a question. At first, he thinks, oh, here's a doctor. I think he started to ask for free medical advice. <laughs> he was doing like, hey, doctor, I have this. And then he gets a cold, hard look at Johnny, who's all dirty and smelly and beaten up. And I love this guy's reaction. He's like, you're not a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. He just knew. Like, no doctor looks and smells like this guy. And that's hilarious. And Johnny knows I can't pass for a doctor. But he gets another bright idea. Yeah. And this, you know what? I did not see this coming this is some pretty wild stuff, even for Johnny, I think. Yeah, he sees the towel dispenser in the restroom, the silver thing right in front of him, and he locks in, and he headbutts it hard. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Even when he did this, I thought he was just doing it like out of frustration, not uh, <laughs> with a certain agenda. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that he was doing this for a reason. Right. So, then he goes out to the nurse, the one who wouldn't break the rules or be a bad girl. And I love that she's writing out on some forms and he is just dropping blood all over it. I mean, very unsanitary, Sal. Quite disgusting, oh, yeah. actually. I think what we've learned today is if they don't respond to flirtation, bleed on them. Bleed on them. <laughs> and of course, this gets him the medical attention he desires because this will put him on the inside in which he can then get to Miguel. Yeah. He's there bleeding. He's bleeding a lot too, by the way. And he yeah. says, I think, I think I need to see a doctor. <laughs> you think? So, now we're at Miyagi-Do Dojo and Daniel spots in and out. So, he thinks, Robbie, 
is here. But Sal, it's not to be. No. And shout out to In-N-Out also. You know, In-N-Out is growing. It was known as a California chain. It's where it started. And it's growing. So shout out to In-N-Out. Um, my top two burgers, top two burgers, Habit and In-N-Out. Okay. But who does Daniel spot instead of Robbie? Yeah. Surprised to see Sam there. She bought In-N-Out and she's sitting in the backyard kind of contemplating life and drinking possibly a milkshake. Yeah. And she shares her fears with Daniel because at first he's like, you're not in school. And she opens up and explains that she wasn't ready and she's dealing with these things. And and Daniel shares his guilt because he's taken all this on himself. Like, had he not fought Johnny, none of this would be going on now. So he feels that he has started, and rightfully so, a lot of this is on him and Johnny. Yeah, because he admits that essentially all of the youngsters have inherited the dark legacy of Daniel and Johnny. Right, yeah. So now we're back at the hospital, and they want to keep Johnny overnight because, Sal, they found blood in his urine. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I would faint, I think. If, if I ever actually saw <laughs> blood in my urine, I think I would literally faint like a, a, a 40s movie actress. I would just be out. <laughs> Well, he's so unfazed. It kind of reminds me of Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. He would come into the hospital with his dossier. I'm like, yeah, I've got cut here, here, here. So, Johnny, this is just a normal thing. And then he goes on to show them his back, which was just terrible. I mean, it was bruised. The entire back was bruised. And he says what to that, Sal? Yeah, horrible bruise. Looked like somebody hit him with a baseball bat. And he says, a little Ben Gay should take care of that. <laughs> oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they both exit, both nurses, and this is Johnny's chance. So he finally gets to find his way to Miguel, and this is a great moment. Yeah, and, and you know what? Uh, I really this kind of opened up my eyes. You know, I mean, what do I know? I'm not a medical professional. These people are talking to someone in a coma. Like I wouldn't necessarily think to talk to somebody in a coma. I wouldn't think they could hear me. You know, I would just think they're in la-la land, but these people, Miguel's mother, Miguel's grandmother, now Johnny, talking, actively talking and reaching out to Miguel, very touching and educational. Absolutely. And he shares his thoughts and even tries to motivate Miguel, who's in a coma and dreaming, until the nurse kicks him out. So he was there long enough to have his moment, but he was eventually found out and leaves the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he did tell Miguel, you got to keep fighting, never give up. Yeah. Once his sensei, always his sensei. Yeah. yeah. Very touching. So now Daniel enters the Cobra Kai dojo and he spots the crease cutout from the Karate Kid as well as the Karate Kid Part 3. And he says, what the hell? Yeah. Now, Sal, is he reacting to the fact that it's here on display because he believes Crease is gone? Because he's seen this thing before. Yeah. I think he was just sort of having a flashback to maybe, you know, what? What was that? Karate Kid 3, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he just sort of had a flashback to Karate Kid 3. That could be it. But obviously, it was like, if he's never seen it before, there's a flaw. But yeah, that's probably it. Now, Crease comes in the room, very classic Kree style. And I love the way it's always just really dark in the Cobra Kai dojo at night. Like he doesn't use lights at night, just a little bit here, a little bit there. It's always dreary and dark and he's always lurking there because Kreese always seems to be at the dojo. Yeah. And, and here we are in Reseda at night. No offense, Reseda. Shout out Reseda 13. Which, <laughs> that, was, that used to be the local gang. I don't know if they're there anymore. You don't leave your door unlocked, let alone at night. Yeah. Uh, let alone if you have anything valuable that can be taken. Kreese doesn't care. He leaves his door unlocked at night. Well, he's mentioning the renovations. And of course, we see the weapons on the wall and that he doesn't blame Robbie because there's no such thing as a bad student. Which implies there's only such thing as a bad teacher. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Which is you, Mr. LaRusso. Oh. And then, Sal, he pushes it even further. Oh, yeah. He says, it must really hurt to see the Miyagi name dragged through the mud. I'd love to see the look on the little bastard's face. And by the way, 
he would have said something racist if this were crease in the movies. He said racist stuff, but they did not include racist stuff in Cobra Kai. Fine by me, but let's not forget, crease is a racist. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't go there either. But then Daniel mentions that Mr. Miyagi kicked his ass more than once. Yeah, I, I, it was a funny moment because it was like Daniel caught himself. At first, he he reacted. He was going to go on the attack, but then he's like, wait a second. <laughs> that little bastard kicked your ass twice. Yeah, once in the Karate Kid Part 2, the very beginning scene, and then once in Karate Kid Part 3 where Mr. Miyagi best not just Crease, but Mike Barnes and Terry Silver. Oh, yeah. Yep. It was a three and one for the night. At the Cobra Kai Dojo. Yes. And Daniel says, you're lucky he taught me true karate. That's why I'm not going to fight you. And Kreese responds, but you will. It's inevitable. But this time, Johnny and I will finish it once and for all. Now, was he saying that Kreese and Johnny would kick Daniel's ass? Is that what he's saying? Yeah, Kreese is under the assumption that he's going to lure Johnny back to Cobra Kai. But my bigger point with this statement is, once and for all? Like, is this to the death? Is this going back to Karate Kid Part 2? Like, what does he mean once and for all? It's not just winning a fight. How sinister is Kreese? Well, at the risk of delivering any spoiler for Season 3, I will say that the violence has reached a little next level in this season. No, it is absolutely next level indeed. And we will get into that in subsequent episodes. So now we're back at school and Sam faces her fear, Sal. And she enters and not only stays, she does what? Yeah, well, we see the other students standing in the circle, whispering, gossiping, (laughs) talking their shit, you know. And yeah, she walks right up to these girls. You want to say something? Say it to my face. And of course, these girls were just uh, gossipers, so they do not do anything and they and they back down. But yeah, you know what's funny is we're watching this episode, my girlfriend's watching it with me, and when Sam says that, my girlfriend goes, good for her. And I was like, yeah, yeah, good for her. Well, I can't believe they would even talk crap about her because they obviously saw how badass Sam is. The last thing I think that these other women would do was get on her bad side. Okay, but let's go back to... Mr. Miyagi's backyard from a few scenes ago. She told her dad, if you're a guy and you kick ass, that's one thing. But if you're a girl and you kick ass, they don't think that you're tough or cool. They just think you're crazy. It's true. But I still don't think those girls would want to piss her off, so to speak. Oh, no. But I love the way she handled it because she has no beef with them. It's really just what's going on with her. She probably sees Miguel falling in her mind like over and over like a bad loop. And she just has to kind of get through it and push through and face her fears. And I'm glad she did because we can't have Sam stuck in that state for this whole season. Come on. No, no. We we are seeing a person who has been through trauma begin their process of overcoming. Yeah. So now we're at Reseda Apartments and Daniel's looking for Johnny. And guess who arrives with a six-pack of Coors Banquet? Johnny Lawrence. And and can I just mention that bicycle? Did you see that stripped bicycle? It was like everything was stolen off this bike. It was just a frame and one wheel sitting in front of this apartment. Why is it there? Shout out to Reseda. (laughs) Well, if Mr. Miyagi were there, I'm sure he could bring that bicycle back to life, Sal. That's right. That apartment has no dedicated maintenance man at all. No, not of the likes of one Mr. Miyagi. So Daniel asked about Kreese because he assumed he was out of the picture. And Johnny's just like, I don't want to talk about it. I need to sleep. (laughs) He's still hungover, Sal. Beat up everything. And then Daniel shares what? Well, this is, I, I would just overall call this the olive branch moment. Yeah. Never before have we seen anything like this. This is... Daniel reached out to Johnny, Miyagi-Do reached out to Cobra Kai in the name of, let's go find Robbie. Yeah. My student, your son, let's go find him. And I love how this brings them together because I've said this before. I love that episode way back when, when 
Daniel and Johnny are driving around and Daniel takes Johnny to the South Seas and they hang out and have a drink afterwards. And I thought, this is it. They're going to be buddies. And then, of course, they diverge and are not buddies. So, this is like, oh, another chance to see these two work together because I have always believed they're very similar, but they're so stubborn and set in their ways and they have this old history that they inevitably get on the wrong side of things. So, I'm loving this, Sal. I'm loving it. And I cannot wait to see where it goes. Well, look what it took to make this happen, though. You know, it's like no different than a nation. Do you remember how united America was after 9-11? I mean, it was like America, like we, I've never seen the country so united in my lifetime as after 9-11. So, look what trauma it took to have Miyagi-Do hopefully merge with Cobra Kai to unite their strengths, basically against Kreese. Yeah. It does take trauma. And this is a big moment. And they're going to put their differences aside and work together. And that's great. So, now we see Robbie with the minivan in question. He did have it, minus one GPS. He's got hardly any money, Sal. He's like counting coins. That's what he's down to. And he's looking disheveled and he has the same outfit he had on in season two's finale. Then we cut to Sam exposing her scar not afraid to show the world that she was cut in a fight. And then we see Miguel's doctors rushing in. And then what happens? As this is all happening, we're hearing Daniel speak to Johnny. So, we're hearing Daniel in voiceover. The whole reason these kids got into trouble was because of us. We can't let them suffer because of our issues. Yeah. I got to hand it to Daniel. Daniel, I think, again, this is the olive branch moment. He is reaching out to Johnny. He is. And and I think we're waiting to see Johnny's response. Yeah. But what happens with Miguel in particular, Sal? Oh, so these nurses are rushing to Miguel. So, obviously, something's happening here. Yep. Medical staff is working on him. He's still having those karate tournament dreams in his head. But then he wins the tournament. And his heart is racing. We know his heart is racing. Staff is working on him. He wins the tournament and he wakes up. We see Miguel's eyes open. Uh, Okay. Well, at least we know that he's not going to be in a coma for two or three more episodes or the whole season. So, that was nice to see his eyes open. Or forever, Sal. (laughs) Or forever. Yeah. We don't want a Terry Schiavo uh, situation here. So, very happy to see Miguel awaken out out of his coma. Very nice to see. And then the Cobra Kai logo comes up, end of the episode. A really great way to bring us back. I think this episode is really about picking up the pieces. And it's a very fitting title, which I said in the beginning, which is called Aftermath. Because you need an episode like this to kind of reboot oneself and see where people are at after the climactic finish of season two. And uh, so, you couldn't expect too much going on, Sal. We couldn't have fights and this, that, and the other and and squabbles. You really just needed to kind of ease us back into it as an audience as well. Well, we need healing. We need recovery. We as the audience have been through trauma. We as the viewer, we as the fan, we've been through trauma along with the cast. Yeah. So, we need to recover. So, this episode was definitely about recovery and, and I would say unity, recovery and unity. And did you see, Jason, I, I don't think you would miss this, after the logo, the final tribute at the very end? I did. This was beautiful to see. And Sal, go ahead and say what it is. You know what? I'm almost going to cry here. Cobra Kai has heart. So much heart with these producers, with these creators. So much heart goes into these guys love the Karate Kid. At the very end, Rob Garrison, 1960, 2019, Cobra Kai never dies. And then we have a shot of Rob as he looked in The Karate Kid, and then recently on an episode of Cobra Kai. So, there we are, then and now. Rest in peace, Rob Garrison. Absolutely. Rest in peace. I love that they did it, Sal. It was unexpected for me to see, but of course, Rob Garrison had passed away September 27th, 2019, at the young age of 59. But that was after season two of Cobra Kai had already been released. So, this was their first opportunity with a new episode to do such a beautiful tribute. Yeah. And it it was very uh, tear-jerking, as they say. Uh, Very nice to see. A wonderful send-off. 
and um, a, a wonderful close to the first episode of season three. Very uh, sweet, sentimental close with the Olive Branch by Daniel and the tribute to Rob Garrison. So, a wonderful close to a fantastic first episode. Absolutely. It was. In fact, I was very moved by the entire episode. And then I literally took about five seconds, Sal, before I jumped in on episode two, because I could not stop. I did five episodes last Friday, five episodes on Saturday, and just went all in on Cobra Kai. But it's fun to go back and revisit this episode now, clean, fresh. And I appreciate this episode even more the second time around, because I do believe it serves a great purpose and sets the roadmap for us, kind of sets the emotional bar where it needs to be as we push on. So really exciting, such a great episode, so much fun to explore here today. And I look forward to episode two. And it's great to be back. You know, we've done so many special episodes as we're waiting on season three. I want to let everybody know that once we're done with season three and we lock down 10 episodes, we're going to re- revisit our special episodes. We're going to explore yes. other parts of the Karate Kid Cobra Kai universe. So those uh, those little nuggets, those little gems, those little treats, and they're treats for us too. Uh, we're going to be hitting those hard again. Absolutely. We have discovered something new as we poked around and we discovered that the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai is in tons of other pop culture things. And we're going to be bringing that to the table and sharing that and dissecting that as well as interviews, Sal. And I'm sure we're going to get many, many more, some surprise interviews that we've lined up already and super exciting. So, I would highly encourage people to go in and look what we've been laying down in recent months. A lot of fun from music videos to commercials that star Sensei Crease and just so many other things. Yeah, we are all over the place. As I've said before, the Cobra Kai insignia, that's our bat signal. (laughs) Wherever the Cobra Kai signal is, we are there. We come running. So thank you so much for listening and please be sure to subscribe to Let's Talk Cobra Kai wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a comment on our social media, which is at Let's Talk Cobra Kai. We also highly encourage checking out the Let's Talk Movies podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com. No mercy.